1: There's too much talking, texting, tweeting, posting. Too much noise altogether. In silence there's strength and peace and space. Imagine silence forever. The Penis Project Podcast is proudly supported and sponsored by PROST, Exercise for Prostate Cancer, and the RS Health Penile Rehabilitation Program. PROST is a not-for-profit, charity set up by myself in 2012 that aims to help men exercise during their experience with prostate cancer if you want to know anything more about prost including our online service and usb product now available please just go to prost.com.au
0: the penile rehabilitation program was created by melissa at restorative sexual health this is an online program to assist turning software into hardware without leaving your home this program was designed for people who live in areas where access to health professionals in this area is not available or for those who are just too busy to attend consults or even for those who just feel more comfortable learning at home with online learning and consultations online. For more information about this program, please go to www.rshealth.com.au. Prost means cheers to your health, so Prost to you.
2: November 11, 11am 11
1: Hi everyone and welcome Welcome to the Penis Project podcast. This morning we've got a very special guest and someone that has been known to me in my physiotherapy clinic for the last six or seven years. So this morning I'd like to welcome pelvic pain, Pierre. How are you going, Pierre? Good, thank you. That's good. Now, what we're going to do is, Melissa's not actually met with you before we're going to approach this as this is this a first ever physiotherapy session or medical session and Melissa's going to start firing away, get a little bit of background history and everything. Thanks, Pierre.
0: So, Pierre, tell me when your pelvic pain started or actually it'd be really great for you to tell us how old you are now and when your pelvic pain started and and how it all came about.
2: Sure. So, I am 32 years old now. Um, probably my journey in pelvic pain occurred Around the age of 18, um, the first symptom that I ever had was um, a change in a decreased strength of the uh, urination flow. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and didn't really understand what was going on there Pretty pr- quite young at the time. Ended up seeing a urologist um, who did a cystoscopy um, and they weren't really sure. They thought they uh, had uh, what's called interstitial cystitis. Um, which is when you have ulcer, um when you have uh, inflammation and potentially ulcerations on your bladder. Um, however, the symptoms of, of that didn't really match what I was having. You might have extreme pain um, during urination, I wasn't having any of that. So but at
0: the time it was just difficult to pass urine
2: like reduce uh, flow. Uh, just you reduced flow, but okay. but it wasn't painful in in any sense. so, they said, look, they kind of shrugged their shoulders and said, look, we don't know, but it's not causing you any pain, so let's just leave it at that. And that was fine. It, I mean, it, ca- it continued uh, continues to this day. Um, and two years later, I just started having um, uh, groin pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time I saw my GP, he gave me antibiotics, not sure what, that's not really treating, <laughs> um, maybe prostatitis, uh, epididymitis, or anything. Yeah. It's very generic uh, antibiotics. Um, and I had that and that didn't work. And then I was given a Proxim, so an anti-inflammatory, pretty strong anti-inflammatory, and that did work. So perhaps the initial insult was the uh, was inflama- inflammatory process because it did reduce the pain.
0: And just out of interest, was... There anything leading up to it? Had you changed your sport, or had you recently become sexually active, or had there been any emotional dramas
2: around that time? There were emotional dramas, yeah. Okay. So, so there was quite quite significant emotional stress during that particular um, year, and I didn't. And, and it took me about eight years or so to put two and two together. I didn't even c- ever connect it until. I think somebody just asked me what was happening at that time and and I I don't know, I guess your brain tries to forget these uh, repress these sort of memories.
0: Of course and I think it's, um, there's a strong correlation I believe and I think a lot of people believe between your emotions and your pain and different people Mm. manifest that pain in different parts of their bodies.
2: Exactly and I think some people hold it, like grind their mouth and hold the tension in their mouth. Um, get headaches and, and hold it, hold it, headache, in head. headache in the pelvis, mm-hmm. or well, migrating that's the, the name pelvis. Of the, one yeah. of these famous books that that was kind of the s- seminal kind of books in, in all of this. But yeah, I, I think in my case, I held that tension in the pelvis. Yeah, at the time, uh, the certainly urologists. I saw about three or four urologists after getting that groin pain, and none of them knew what was going on. Um, and uh, eventually, um. Uh, I um, the pain started becoming very consistent, sitting pain. Pain not when standing, but only when sitting. And that's the pain I've had pretty much to this day. It's kind of moved around a little bit. It's become more intense at times. But um, it, it kind of s- it landed at the sitting pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually it wasn't just sitting. It was really pelvic pain. So when I'm standing, I would get pain after long periods of time, lying on my front is more comfortable, but I would also still get pain in that region. So it wasn't just sitting pain, it was pelvic pain. So that
1: means, um, Pierre, that you must have had pain during the night, did you? If you were lying down or sleeping, do you remember um, that?
2: I, I did but not always. Lying on my uh, – if I lie on my back, like lie, lying on my back, yes, I would get pain throughout the night. Um, but lying on my tummy was actually quite comfortable and I've actually never had major issues sleeping fortunately so because of the pain. out
0: of ten, what's what, what would the pain have been?
2: At the time, I'll tell you it was like a persistent like five. Okay. But all the time um, and then during periods of stress – uh, if I worked long period of time um, or, or sat for long period of time, then it could come out to like a seven or eight and really impact your thought processes and whatnot because you're constantly thinking about it. Sure. Um, but usually it, it sat around the five when sitting. But when standing, I usually was, was, was often zero pain, you know, right. unless I stood for a long period of time.
1: Yeah. What, what's a long period of time for you?
2: Uh, probably like if I was standing for 30 minutes or so, then I could get it. But really it was more... Standing was quite good. It wasn't really a source of pain for me, just a very long periods of time.
0: And so, yeah. So then, how did you? How did it keep going from there?
2: Well, from then on, it, it went on for about three years, um, and, and just got worse and worse. And then I started using a cushion to sit, because sitting on metal like that—that's that's an Im- like absolutely impossible task for me. Couldn't even consider it now. And at the time, I was just getting increasingly more pain uh, sitting, also tight fitting clothing, so tight. Um, uh like underwear that was tight uh, was an issue so I went to like kind of trunks and boxes and that was okay.
1: You also had to get. Pants, as I recall, from Lululemon.
2: Yes, that's that's correct. So they had the um, the ABC pants. I, I believe this is the official term at Lululemon is anti-ball crushing <laughs> pants. <laughs> the <laughs> so only pants that avoid having any any anti-ball wedges. crushing
1: pants from Lululemon. Okay, yeah, yeah, but
2: they're fantastic, and you can use them for work. They look like work pants. No one ever guesses, and people use them for yoga. I thought they were designed for work pants. Actually. I didn't also.
0: realize Lululemon had a men's range. Oh, they do. Wow, very cool. very good Great.
2: range for people um, who. Got chronic pain. In Excellent. Part, in and okay.
1: and ha- do they have a seam down the middle, or
2: what's underneath? Actually, no. Di- the way they they've done it is they've got a, a special seam that distributes the pressure laterally. So mm-hmm. you really, even if you pull your pants upwards, you can never get a um, <laughs> a wedgie. And the reason why this was important <laughs> was um, because of the pelvic. Or uh, in the end, it became pelvic floor dysfunction. That's really the main diagnosis here. Uh, but in the end, uh, any pressure in that region would flare flare one my, myself up. And at the time, a flare like pressure in that region, um, sitting for too long or something, I would flare up for a couple of weeks. That was what I call the mini flare and then the major flare would be a month or two. Actually,
1: Maybe. Pierre, sometimes you had flare-ups for four possibly to five longer. months. Yeah, possibly longer, And yeah. I remember one in particular. You'd been to a work function and you'd accidentally sat on a quiche. That's correct. Can you tell us about that incident because <laughs> I remember.
2: Yeah, it's just rather ridiculous really. Like I just <laughs> sat down on, on a soft little quiche and <laughs> that was enough because it hits the, just in the right area. Um, it, it just caused a massive flare-up. Um and it's a bit, a bit bit crazy. So the re- the cushions that we had, uh, uh, I think, um, Joe had her own cushion that she had helped design. Uh, lifted um like the uh, the middle of the, the perineum, I suppose, the region. Uh, lifted it up so you weren't sitting on it. Um, that pressure wasn't there. So just
0: for people listening who don't know what we're talking about, the we have talked about the perineum lots in the podcast before, but it's the the the, the piece of skin that goes from the bottom of your testicles to your anus, also called the gooch or the chin rest. (laughs) In
1: females, it's exactly the same without the um, ball sack area, obviously. So It's basically the area between the pubic bone and the coccyx, and then it wings out to the sit bone. So it's like one big... uh, ...kind of double triangle, I guess, or quadrilateral I area. I love this. Whenever we explain mm. how
0: something is, I explain it in really basic terms... ...like is a chin rest anatomy. and Joe gives a really good anatomy lesson That's on That's because we're
1: Prudence <laughs> versus Putanesca. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I just wanted to comment a little bit about this cushion... ...because it's actually, uh, Pierre said, life-changing for him... ...and I'd like to just share why we did it. So I used to get a number of patients come through who couldn't sit. Now... Most of my patients being male, that meant they couldn't work. So, back in the day, 10, 12 years ago, uh, there weren't such things as the stand-up desk stations... ...which in- enable people now to be more um, versatile. So, if you can't sit and you can't work... ...and you can't socialise, you can't go to a movie, you can't go out to a restaurant... ...you know, your whole life basically can yep. stop... So I can
2: definitely relate to that, and usually every decision that was made—not anymore—and I'll tell why that changed. But usually every decision that I made was based on benefit-cost risk analysis, mm-hmm. um, based on okay, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna have to sit, I'm gonna flare up. Is it worth it? And, mm-hmm. and then, and then that meant you just didn't go out. And, and
0: so and did you also put into that? Are they likely to serve quiches at this event? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, yeah, <laughs> and, and and you can see, like, why you wouldn't go out. At yes, Like, movies, definitely. cinemas, mm. well, I, don't have to be, I haven't been to a cinema in about six years. Mm. But fortunately, I big screen TVs satisfies satisfy it pretty well nowadays. um
1: yeah, so what, what we did in the clinic was I actually had a professor of physiotherapy who presented with this problem and this was from a motorbike injury. So he had basically stacked it on the trail bike riding and then any vibration actually offset him again too. So he had a little bit of a joint dysfunction in the sacroiliac joint and it just escalated. So this is off in the background as well, a musculoskeletal related situation. So most of these patients will have tight muscles, tight hamstrings, tight backs and then the pelvic floor is just the next thing that tightens up. But what we did was we designed this cushion and this whole area is actually known as the pudenda or the area of the shameful. So the nerve that supplies this pelvic floor and pelvic region is the pudendal nerve, it's sacral nerve two, three and four and it basically goes to the um, the penis or the genitalia um, in both sexes, the perineum and then the anus, but it also has many, many branches of it. One called the inferior cluneal nerve. I remember Pierre actually had a problem there and that was just where it branches off behind the greater trochanter or the sit bone area. And um, that was really difficult to diagnose. So the cushion that we designed, I spent a whole year working with professor of physiotherapy, myself, a 70-year-old um, medical engineer basically, and then two patients. And We had 20 different prototypes before we got it right and we made it with different density foams and I'd like to give a shout out to the um, Pelican manufacturing um, industries in Perth, Western Australia, Osborne Park because um, Tom um, Bromberg and his father John really helped me develop this cushion and now it's everywhere all around the world. It's um, designed so that it's a cushion that you could put on your office chair. You could even convert it into a chair and put it on the top of a chair. It's got a little handle and it's quite lightweight. And uh, this was um, much better than all the other ones that are out there on the market. And it's available today. And I know that they send it all around the world. So
0: where do people buy this cushion from? They
1: can go to the um, Pelican Manufacturing website and they will post it out anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are different types of cushions and Pierre is going to mention that as well. But this is a cushion that is also for anyone with coccyx pain... Um women after labor, anything where it's impossible to sit and they're around about a hundred dollars but um, enable people to have a normal life, including work socially and relationshipally. So I'd like to ask you about that, Pierre. How did that impact on your relationship at the time when you just had to always risk analyze whatever you're going to do next?
2: Yeah, greatly impacted. so, Often, you know, you you can't keep talking about your pain because, you know, other people are just going to find it boring or or just a bit, you know, they'll empathise, but you can't keep talking about it. So you end up just keeping silent about it and then you don't really explain why you don't want to go to things but it's really always due to the pain.
1: But you're in your 20s and your mates go, oh, let's go out to the movies and what do you do?
2: Usually don't go, just say I'd rather not or or so. So, um, yeah. That that did impact, but again, things at the time. I think I was able to manage it because I wasn't as bad, um, and I had the when I got the cushion, it it, it helped a lot. Um, but I do have a because I, I continued to get worse. Uh, um, uh, over the years, I did have to change my cushion. I ended up making my own w- w- at a foam yeah, shop. Yeah, we had lots of uh, <laughs> <I've got> like <laughs> lots a, of renovations at uh, that, didn't yeah, I've we? Got, I've got like a, a, a about ten or twelve that I designed over the years, and the one that I landed on, and I would say, you know, the uh, the Pelican cushion was really really good, but the one I landed on, um, just because of I guess severity, was a um, was a custom cushion from Rojo, which is a big famous brand that makes um, like pressure sore. Yeah, cushions, yeah. and it's exactly the same as Joe's. Like same design. Where it's got a channel in the middle, um, and I could custom make it. You can custom make it on their website, basically, and and design your own. But the difference is instead of foam, which compresses, and when foam compresses, eventually you you know your you bottom's going to be yeah, its mm-hmm. bottom's going to be hitting the ground, and then. Yeah. You you lose its effect. Um, the, the roho cushions are, uh, are air filled air pockets, mm. um, and then they hold their shape forever, yeah. Um, and they hold their air f- for, forever. So, I ended up I found this cushion by accident on on Gumtree, and and uh, a, um, a man got a cut was custom designed for an elderly man who partly passed away. Yeah. And she was kind enough to send it for free when she ah. heard my story. I was okay, Paid her for it in the end, but it was very cheap for yep. what it was. I, I've got a second one made up, completely yep. custom made up, um, but I still haven't used because this one's still working. Oh, good. Um, but they are expensive. They're How a lot much? More, where much
1: was the custom made
2: one? Uh, look, look, they were a thousand dollars custom wow. made. Yeah, but I think mean, I've probably saved the money because I was buying the yep. foam cushion every six months and to also save some
1: physiotherapy fees potentially. <laughs>
2: exactly. Like to my to, in my mind, it was completely worth it because it doesn't break. Mm. It just and, and it holds its shape no matter what it constantly lifts your bottom off the floor no matter what and that that was a massive game changer for me that, mm. at that point I could sit for the first time in my life I could sit on a metal chair mm-hmm. with the cushion of course yeah. um, I couldn't do that with a foam cushion it just no. did not provide enough Upward movement. So how
0: long have you w- – how far into the pelvic pain did you discover this cushion?
2: Oh, unfortunately not. Not. I only found the the, the, the airfield one about three years – two years ago, maybe three years ago.
1: And <laughs> so we're now like nine years down the track into the 12-year journey we're talking about. Just um for those who want to maybe access and have a look at the Pelican one, it's called the Pudendal Channel Cushion.
0: Mm. And I'll put the link in the show notes.
1: And yours is called the
2: uh, – it's, it's a Rojo Custom Cushion, very – Big famous brand. They do R O H O. Is it R O H O? But it, and it's hard to find this actually on the website. But maybe give them a call and ask about how to make custom made ones. And where it are they based? Uh, there's there are I think Malaga um, in Ability, Western Australia. Yep. Uh, well, the an American yep. company, okay. but there's um, I got it custom made through one of their providers, and there's one in Bentley. Okay. Do one in Bentley um, and one in Malaga. And I had no issues working with And
1: um, they, they'll ship it out, I guess. Yeah, it takes a while.
2: It. They ship it out. I think it comes from America. But, um, yeah, worth every cent in my opinion. And you can fill it up, inflate it to however you want. Um, and it really just holds its air. And then I've got custom cases for it. Actually, another thing I'll just add is that so you don't really want to show the custom. It's a big cutout. It's quite yeah. ugly. So yep. um, you can get cases, waterproof cases for it that oh, you can wash and whatnot. And there was... Um, can you get your
1: favourite Woody logo on it?
2: <laughs> no. I just got black. You know, kind <laughs> of hide away. Um, and uh, that was, you know, and that, that helps. We just put a cushion, a uh, sure. cover over it so no one knows really what so, it is. So
1: the cushions helped you a lot. But what we'll go on to now is the medical management of it. So yeah. I'd love you to list... What You've been through, yeah. Like you said so the cystoscopy and antibiotics, anti
2: inflammatory, yeah, none of but that worked. Um, <laughs> so eventually, well, I mean, firstly, I found uh, uh yourself, yeah. um, and that was the big you know, that was the finally the time when I wasn't I wasn't constantly declining, I started mm-hmm. improving, um, and I had physiotherapy for the first time, and that was a huge impendiary doing my exercises. Um, and, and eventually, the real diagnosis was this um pelvic floor dysfunction, mm-hmm. and um, the and it was the um hyperactive floor, there's different phrases for it. Um, but my, my pelvic floor muscles were too tight effectively and just holding that tension. Um, so physiotherapy was, was a massive game changer and you linked me in with some of, of the big names in, in Dr. Australia. Dr Judith Thompson. Dr Judith Thompson who did internal pelvic floor therapy to, to loosen and lengthen those muscles. External work by yourself and doing yep. all those exercises. which um, are
1: Very yoga-based, down-training, relaxation exercises.
2: And Yeah, and there's, um, yeah, no, there's um, some good exercises on the uh, on the website ...one of these websites I think. Or that's, that's right, we'll find that and link yeah. it up as well. Um, and, and in terms of actual medical management... ...I started seeing pain specialists for the first time. Um, and uh, I had a few things done. So pudendal neuralgia was the diagnosis that was floated around. And it kind of goes hand in hand... ...usually with chronic pelvic pain syndrome and other diagnosis... And um, um, pelvic floor dysfunction. In my opinion, after all these years, I think it just gets summed down to pelvic floor dysfunction. And that led to all the other stuff. And that led to irritation of the pudendal nerve and all the symptoms that I had. So you Um, tried a lot
0: of medications, I'm assuming? Oh,
2: yeah. I've tried a lot of every medication you can think of. I have tried. Um, and aside from like you know uh, neuropathic pain medication, so amitriptyline, Lyrica, that's that sort of stuff. They were helpful because it was a neuropathic pain. Yeah. But nothing else would help, way, Aside from that, um, we tried a lot of um, injections. So we tried a pudendal nerve block, mm-hmm. um, which was diagnostically accurate. So we knew the pudendal nerve was affected because my symptoms subsided. But it didn't provide any long-lasting relief, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So on
1: that, even if the pudendal nerve block has an effect for one day or a Correct. few hours. It's considered diagnostic, Correct, it? yes, because
2: yep. it's just hitting the right area. And, you know, okay, that area is impacted. Um, that was diagnostically accurate but not uh, effective from a, a treatment, treatment point person. of view. Can
1: I just add here that if a woman is in labour and gets an epidural, they actually get a pudendal nerve block to freeze this whole area as well. So this pudendal nerve actually is a piece of anatomy in all sexes and uh, in females is sometimes uh, linked up to something called persistent genital arousal disorder, which is another whole um, podcast in itself, but it's an irritation of this nerve to the pelvic floor when it goes sort of a bit haywire. Mm. So... Um, Moving on back to...
2: Yeah. So I had I had the Epiderminovox, uh, you know, about three to four of them. None of them were really effective. Who um, did those for you? Uh, they were done um, Chinua, Dr Chinwen Chan. Um, he, he usually did those. Yep, also here in Professor Perth. Also yep. Professor Thierry Van Kye, um in uh, in New South Wales. So Thierry He's Van Khy is actually
1: yeah. the expert. There's two world experts and we have Roger Roberts in France and we have... Professor Thierry Van Kuy, who's a gynaecologist and pain management physician mm. who works at the uh,
2: Women's Health Research Institute of Australia. Yeah, so. I um, mean, uh, they also see men, by the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but it kind of – the fact that there isn't an equivalent one for men kind yeah. of just points out that this is something that, you know, it's, it impacts men but there isn't really the services out there. Mm-hmm. But that's changing. It is changing. changing. And I can definitely see like since when I first met Joe to now, the level of awareness – just in YouTube, for mm. instance, there was literally nothing. And I think uh, my wife had, had had Googled some of my symptoms and found Joe for the website and that's the only way we found it. No one had referred – no one knew. Um, urologists certainly did not know. But so uh, this is interesting is for me
0: from a relationship point of view. You were 18 when this started. Mm. Was it difficult when you met your wife to like, you know, Absolutely, having yeah. chronic pain? is a
2: Well, it didn't happen initially. I didn't have the pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but eventually when I did, it was very difficult to talk about it. And it took a long time before I, you know, had the courage to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Extremely good <laughs> about mm-hmm. it, of course. But, you know, it's a silent pain that, that you know, that people have they don't really want to talk about it, um, but also I had to explain why I didn't want to go to certain places or sit in certain places. But she's been course. very aware since mm. then. Um, uh, but sorry, going back to the medication, mm. uh, uh, that had the nerve blocks, um, and they weren't particularly helpful at all. Um, had Botox as well uh, mm-hmm. in the pelvic floor, and that was helpful to a degree. Um, so,
0: how does Botox work, Melissa? So Botox works by injecting a toxin into the muscle that relaxes it and stops mm. it from
2: contracting. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that that helped, but again, none of these. Uh, n- uh, when I said help, it was never pain free. You know, it just mm. just reduced the reduced. Of symptoms. Then the one that uh, the next step that I had, um, uh, you know, internal pelvic. Floor therapy, by the way, that was um, very helpful. I think that did start to reduce symptoms, reduce the incidence of flare-ups as well. And that,
0: how often were you having that done?
2: Weekly, right. Um, so, all of these things were helping, but nothing alone was was a solution. Eventually, um, through Professor Van Kai, I got the um, sacral and pudendal neuromodulation. So, that involves a little battery pack and stimulator um, and a, a surgery. Um, and effectively, it's like a TENS machine, but internally.
1: So, wires go to various spinal segments that might be affected correct. for each individual. They tailor
2: yes. it. Is that correct? Yeah, they tailor it. So actually there's an initial testing phase where you don't get it permanently put in but they just check if it's in the right area. Does it help? You have that in a week and it's an external pack that you carry around. Um, but but eventually um, they put it in permanently if it works. And for me um, it did help. Now again, I wasn't pain free um, but it's certainly, if you look at how much I was doing, I was able to do so much more. I was, able, I was exercising more. The big thing was I wasn't having the flare ups as such. So okay. if I got, you know, if I sat in a quiche again, I wouldn't flare up for <laughs> that bloody case. <quiche>. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so I wouldn't s- flare up. Have you still weeks. got that in now? I, I do, yep. I do, yeah. And um, and that that has helped. Now I've still got that like background pain, mm-hmm. kind of persistent. That you know, I'd call it maybe like a two out of ten, three out of ten pain. Like right now, for instance. Yeah. Um, helped by the cushion, helped by all of these things, but um. It it was helpful in that sense of just reducing those flare-ups, increasing the amount I I could do in my life. And sitting, sitting longer, by the way. Again, still got the pain but here I am sitting for 20 minutes. I couldn't sit for more than five minutes before. uh, before It was just intolerable. And so I it
0: has made a massive difference. has made a difference
2: and, and the cushion, that, that air cushion has made a, a massive difference as well because it just mm. meant that I'm off the, off the ground sort of, so to so, say. So
1: Pierre, do you walk around with this cushion? Like, you know.
2: Yeah, so look, I do kind of carry it around with me and that's not ideal. It, no one really knows. But it looks like a bag basically yeah. so no one really knows but it's a bit of a pain and while I say about this cushion, I'll just probably put a disclaimer that it may not be ideal to even have a cushion in the first place. Yeah, um, I kind of did it because I had to, but perhaps if I went back in time, I would have really tried not to use it because you get somewhat dependent on it. Mm. Um, but you know, at the same time, you know, I it wouldn't was be a doing anything. Deal breaker. It was a, yeah, I wouldn't be doing anything at all if I didn't have the cushion, but. You know, maybe uh, you know if I desensitize the area earlier and all of these things, I could have gone without the cushion. But but no. maybe not. You still maybe would not, be yeah. not functioning. Like yeah, so not you've got to find a
0: workaround. Exactly.
2: So
1: the next step for us is actually to do a desensitization program with Pierre. That's
2: I've always thought that, and I tried mm. doing it myself for a little bit, but never. But um, I've always thought that that's kind of key. Well, area. interestingly,
1: my youngest son put his thumb through a router, um, in woodwork, and he's sixteen, and this is two and a half months ago. ...and he's a really good basketball player. And he's just not the ball hasn't been able to touch that thumb... ...where he had to have some surgery and his whole nail bed was destroyed... ...and his tip of his um, thumb was fractured. Uh, so he had quite a nasty time. But right now we went and saw an occupational therapist for the first time last week. And um, all we have to do is desensitise it. So he's got to put his thumb into um, buckets of rice, mm. hard dry noodles... Uh, all sorts of different grains, you've got some therapeutic putty and it's basically a desensitised pro- process. So we're going to be doing similar things with Pierre but maybe um, not the crunchy noodles. Well, I'm just,
0: <laughs> I'm thinking you just need to whip up some quiches mm-hmm. and do yeah. some quiche yeah. <laughs> also what would be
1: really good, and this is something the occasional therapist put on first, was a mini vibrator, almost like a toothbrush, oh. uh, electric toothbrush vibrator just to add some fine stimulation. So that's actually what I was mm. going to discuss. Um, this is a completely different thing but we use – the vibrator type things, Melissa, for mm. erectile dysfunction, post-prostatectomy. Yes. So just without me even asking you this, because I've thought about this in the last few days since my took my son to the OT, what would you say you could use for desensitization anyone here?
0: Well, I think um, there's a very small, Lilo have a very small palm held gentle vibrator that is usually used for women's clitorises, but it would be perfect. And I have recommended it to a couple of guys who've got um, light, pelvic aching after. Okay. And they hold that on their perineum and it just is exactly that. It's just like gentle stimulation and then I get them to build it up over time.
1: Because it was quite ridiculous. In the front of my eyes my son went from not being able to touch this stuff to within 15 minutes of basically stimulating it to be pain free and he played oh. basketball two days later without incident and we, we I, th- I bought him all these thumb protectors but he didn't need any of it. So mm. every day he's like mum, it's a bit sore this morning but like going down by 50% every day. Yeah, that's it's only amazing. been five
0: days. <laughs> so we should try that, Pierre. We should yeah, try uh, one of these.
2: It, it's, it, when you say it, like my threat level kind of increases mm. and whatnot. And Isn't that interesting? The, that's part of the problem, of course. Because mm. um, uh, – Again, if a quiche caused it, like even though it's a long time ago and I'm better now, like the thought of a, a vibrating toothbrush or something um, would cause a threat. But nonetheless, like you know, my brain thinks that's the right thing to do, and then you know, so part of the other we put part it on
1: your thumb, or, yeah. or your calf or something like that, just to get used to the sensation. Because over the years, I've actually worked with Pierre on doing a whole lot of. Techniques on everything but the pelvic floor. Personally speaking, so we've had Dr. Judith Thompson, who's an expert here in WA, on um, this whole uh, approach internally, and I've been doing everything that she's not doing, I mm-hmm. believe. Um, so I've been doing like my releases, deep tissue massage all through the psoas muscle, the piriformis muscles, the glutes, the adductors, so the inner thigh muscles. And I know what what it's like for Pierre. He's like he basically goes into this. Complete withdrawal and like tighten up in front of my eyes if my hands go anywhere near his knees, and mm. um, mm. before we even got to the inside of the bed, yeah, and that was
2: a big issue. Was you know, um, back in the day with the relationships, you know, if, if anyone went even close, I would yeah. just tie yeah, it up and it was be. that threat response. And it's not the same. Like I don't do that. Although I did, but, yeah, if I could go back in time and tell myself not to do that, I'd probably... I I suspect I wouldn't really be in this situation. But it's normal, isn't it? it? If there's
0: a hot thing and you go to touch it, you're going to draw back before even knowing that it's painful.
1: Just on that, I'd just like to mention the disorder called hard flaccid syndrome because it's not well known and uh, basically what happens is males have a persistent semi-erection that won't fully relax into flaccid state or get fully hard into erect state. And this is, again, because of the pelvic floor... ...and hypertonicity or tightness. So uh, it's a bit of a game changer. It's only newly recognised. There's only been two research papers on it. Um, Hard flaccid syndrome. They're on case studies only at the moment... ...so there hasn't been any trials... ...but it's equivalent to the persistent genital arousal disorder in females. Ironically, Curtin University right now... ...has a questionnaire they're trying to put together... ...to help better evaluate pelvic pain in both men and females. And they've got 70... ...females that have registered to fill in the questionnaire... ...and only two males. So I've said today we will share that questionnaire... ...so they can get um, as many as possible helping them... ...particularly any man who's had any symptom of pelvic pain... ...that's been persistent. It needs to have been there for more than six months... ...and you can't have had um, something like prostate surgery or cancer... Um, recently, but uh, from Curtin University, the researchers there are going to do great, great things to help us evaluate mm. this. Urologists need to know about this, don't yeah, they?
2: Yeah, I mean, and that was the issue that four or five—I don't know how many urologists I saw—and um, that they literally just said, "I don't know," and, and that's mm. not what you want to hear, right? No. You, um, <laughs>
0: so. You've tried all these things, and you've kind of got to a point now from what I'm gathering that you've got a two out of ten background pain, most of the yeah. time Not and less a
2: little bit more, but yeah. but manageable. and less manageable.
0: flare ups. Yeah. And so the two the, there's three main things I'm guessing from what you've said mm. or i'm I'm understanding, which is the the pelvic floor release from Judith, mm-hmm. the exercises that you've been doing with Joe, mm-hmm. oh, sorry, four things, the cushion. Yeah, and the stimulator yes. that's been inserted—they're like. The I would say that's correct.
1: And yeah. do you what need about meds? Meds? Yeah, do you need? Oh, to the
2: t- meds probably like neuropathic pain meds. Amitriptyline um, would probably be the best one. And I'd you're still say. on those every day? Uh, or? Yes. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. And and then so do you think your quality of life after all of this is much better now?
2: Yeah, for for sure. Like, and, and it's a combination. It's not holistic. It's a combination of everything. And I just made one point about the internal release that took me years to even. Just consider that. I knew it was Im- helpful. Like, I forgot about that. Do you? mean ma- yeah, I tried
1: for about two years to encourage yeah, you but, to go. <laughs> but again, if,
2: if a key stimulus sets you off, I'm thinking like this is a flare up that's going to last me ten years. Yeah, you know? of course. Like, and, and your mind catastrophizes in that sense. So, mm. um, I would recommend uh, any any male who's listening, I suppose. You know, It's not as scary as it seems. I didn't flare up at all actually the first time. I couldn't believe it. I didn't mm. actually feel like this because of it. it's actually helping relax it. Mm. Um, and if you kind of need encouragement, um, the books that I found that have been Great. most helpful um, was um, – and I've read them all, by the way. So <laughs> I've, I've <laughs> and you got keep alerting me
1: as to Lotus Update. Yeah, yeah, I've read them all. <laughs> so here's another one. <laughs> um,
2: I think uh, um, Explain um, – it's explain pelvic pain by Stephanie Prendergast. It's the best primer, the best like initial book. It's not packed full of you know reference level detail, but it's it's just a great start for, for, for men. Um, and the other book, like if you want to go to the like the reference textbook that mm. doctors and whatnot should be having on their shelf, but also useful for the patients, the new book that's came out is Breaking Through Chronic Pelvic Pain by Dr. Jerome Weiss. Um, and that is, yeah, that's the goal. It's How dead. do we spell Weiss? W E I S.
1: And these are from Amazon. I'd like to add in a couple more books. So ironically, I was watching Dr. Oz one day, some, you know, TV show from America, and all of a sudden I saw a physiotherapist by the name of Amy Stein pop up on my mm. screen, and she was explaining the way the pelvic floor works like a trampoline when it's tight and mm. versus when it's normal and it should be bouncy. Mm. And I see that on my real-time ultrasound imaging, which is... Mm. Awesome. Mine was not. <laughs> and yours was not.
2: Yeah, it was like a rigid <laughs> cement. <laughs> yeah, and so when we try and see that yeah. it's
1: moving and we ask patients to engage their pelvic floor, there is actually no no evidence of any rise and fall amplitude on the screen. So this is diagnostic in itself and then we do the internal examination to prove. Now, I'm just going to add Amy Stein's book. is called Healing or Heal Pelvic book. Pain. And I it's written in 2011, but I still stock it because it's a really good um, patient... Tool that most of my patients get on initial consultation because I want them to understand the complexity of this is it's a rule out condition. So, once doctors have assessed um, for all the cystoscopies, all the STDs, and once they've all been ruled out, historically what's happened is urologists said, You're fine, we don't know what this is, so there's nothing we can do about it, it must be in your head. Now, yes, there's emotional components. But on average, it's seven years and 24 different specialists before patients get the appropriate diagnosis of this condition, which is often called persistent pelvic pain, chronic pelvic pain syndrome or CPPS slash pudendal neuralgia or pudendal nerve entrapment. I want to just make a note here that pudendal nerve entrapment is extremely rare, less than 3% of the cases. That means only less than 3% of patients actually will need surgery to release this nerve at a junction called the Alcock Canal between the... Sacro and sacro ligament, sacre ligaments um, around this uh, sacroiliac joint. So um, I think it's really important that we have a much more understanding of this condition. I call this the wiring to the plumbing, not necessarily the plumbing. So the urologists are the doctors of plumbing, but I don't think they kind of get the spinal involvement and the pathways of the epidinal nerve. I'd like to also acknowledge Peter Dornan's work here. He's designed the first ever pelvic pain. Um, book for clinicians um, where he's mapped out the pudendal nerve and it took him seven years to do that. So his book is called Pelvic Pain, A Musculoskeletal Assessment. Um, His book is very detailed. Probably the average person will find it too much but it's wonderful for clinicians.
2: Mm, Highly recommended. I think that that uh, like another good reference book as well as that um, Jerome Weiss book is a good one for clinicians. Yeah. Very hyper-detailed but… There's so many case studies and, like, every one of them is, you know, 100% my life. (laughs) Yeah. You you can clearly see the connections.
1: And I'd like to also add in the website, which is wonderful. I'm referring it all the time because you actually linked it up to me initially Mm. too, Pierre, and that's Pelvic Pain Australia. Mm. In particular, there's sections for men Mm. and women and teenagers and they have a really awesome link to medications and Mm -hmm. they actually have a description of diazepam suppositories. Do you mind giving us a little bit of a... Chat yeah. through that. Um, so,
2: diazepam suppositories are f- effectively just a way to target um, the release of the pelvic, um, uh, well, muscle relaxant for the pelvic floor. And um, you, you know, uh, diazepam you wouldn't use every single day, but it's great for flare ups. Very good for flare How ups. How many?
1: Uh, like, I had a patient just last week who hadn't yeah. slept for three months, and this was because during the night he would, anytime he got an erection, he would wake up. So he's been waking up seven to nine times a night. He okay. was a physical, emotional wreck. ...and I suggested and passed on this medication section yeah. that you you sent to me. He got the suppositories made up through a compounding chemist... ...and he came to see me the next day... ...and it was the first time he slept in four months. And he was actually stated to me... Joe, if I didn't meet you I was going to take my own life. He couldn't drive, he'd stopped working. I'm getting spinal goosebumps here talking. He was 40 years of age. He left his wife and children at home... ...because he wasn't coping, and moved back in with his parents. He couldn't drive, he couldn't work... And this was mm. the grand <laughs> game changer for him. And he, I suggested he do this for three nights. And I Melissa, I've um, referred quite a few patients mm. for you with this. So I'd like to just speak about this for a moment. With your comment first, Pierre, how many, how many in a row do you recommend or I
2: mean, how like many do you need? I mean, you get like a flare up of pain, pelvic pain, um, you know, you could do like three to four days, uh, nights in a row and then probably give it give it a break and that should be enough to break the circuit of the, of the pain cycle. I yeah, think.
0: that's what I've been when Joe sent people to me with this problem I've just been telling them to take it three or four nights mm. in a row. Make sure you take it at night mm. because um, it, it sedates yeah. you and it's not safe to drive with it. And the thing to be really careful of is that diazepam is actually quite addictive so you don't want to really, it's not something you can use long term but definitely brilliant for flare-ups
1: mm. and so how long would it um take to affect because this patient actually said to me joe the doctor had never heard of valium suppositories mm. before and so there wasn't any instruction in fact the doctor had gp had to ring me to get the mm. dosages and everything Go which to the website, it tells you how the to website i was able to yeah. forward because as a physio i'm not really supposed to talk yeah. about um medications but it's all about you know generating the knowledge here and he's so he texted me and said the doctor didn't know when me to put it in, so I said an hour before you go to bed, mm. and that worked beautifully for him. Would you
0: concur with that? Yeah, it takes about um, sixty sure. to thirty yeah. minutes to dissolve. So yeah, mm. and I mean it's a very efficient way of taking any medication mm. is anally. So it and works. It may brilliantly. take a couple
2: of days to really kick in, but um, mm. and you should wait a couple of days. Yeah. Um. But it but it will help. Like um. You know, like sometimes constipation can cause a massive flare up, and that's yeah. something you need, by the way, need, really need to avoid and with your diet and fiber and water and whatnot. Um, but um, that could cause a massive flare-up and th- the only thing that really helped in such situations like that, I'd say, would be the diet. I've actually scale.
0: found that this works well as well for guys that have um, pain with orgasm. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So okay. I've been in that instance, you know, if you're going to have sex, then use it beforehand because it helps with the pain with There's orgasm. There's another condition
1: called proctalgia fugax. proctalgia fugax is when in the middle of the night, for no apparent reason, when you're sleeping peacefully, bazoom, you get a shooting rectal pain that, wakes you up and it feels like 20 out of 10 pain. It's and a where? spasm of the pelvic floor. I think it's associated with dreaming or grinding of the teeth in tension. But this is a circuit breaker for that as well. If you come across proctalgia fugax, yeah. So it's the rectum, the anal passage going to
2: spasm.
0: Well, you actually referred me a patient and we're interviewing him about that next Monday.
2: Wonderful. Oh. And I'm saying one other thing is the uh, – sorry, one other thing is – swimming so uh exercise about, yeah, we're going to do exercise, exercise so it's yeah. all about increasing blood flow to the area cuz you've got more cuz um the way the books would describe um why you're getting um pelvic pain is if you imagine um uh if you imagine it's a cramp basically put the uh this pelvic floor dysfunction causes a cramp of the pelvic floor muscles and if you hold your fist for um tightly for like 24 hours you could just imagine how that's going to mm. feel and, and that sort of pain. And then if you contract it again, you get even more pain and um, your muscles are exhausted and whatnot. So if you can um, – and you reduce the blood flow by contracting it. So for any way that increases blood flow to that area, such as swimming, which increases blood flow everywhere and pumps And whole around, nerve stretching, fascial stretching, releasing
1: yeah. of built-up waste products in your body. It will help. I'd be surprised
2: if it didn't at least change the pain for Great. some people. This so
1: reflects on when I was in primary school. I used to talk too much, which is no surprise to anybody. (laughs) And at recess, we used to have a five-minute break at two o'clock because you'd go for a drink and water. They don't do that anymore, probably because of naughty kids like me. But because I used to talk too much, you used to get dictionary treatment um, or... uh, a prescription of being in trouble was to hold these one-kilo dictionaries, one in each arm with your arm outstretched into full abduction for five minutes. Mm-hmm. So if anyone puts their arms out, even without any of those big dictionaries, which don't exist anymore probably, but let's think of a Bible. Um, for five minutes you have to hold them. So your arms would ache and if you actually dropped your arms down, you'd get a ruler whacked to lift them up on your knuckles. It was a very pleasant, um, mm. you know, disciplinary actions back then. But as soon as you said hold your fist for 24 hours, even holding your fist for five minutes Correct. would create yeah. some
2: yeah. discomfort. And that and that really kind of describes what's happening in your pelvic floor. It shouldn't be like that. It should be, you know, um, but uh, – and that's why dazepam can help because it's got to re- relax it. Increased blood flow can help as mm. well.
1: And my shockwave therapy, external shockwave therapy, the low-intensity foc. A focused version I've been applying that with great success I've got one patient I was seeing for about four years every week including him having a therapeutic wand to internally mm. massage himself the first time I did the shockwave he didn't have any pain for six weeks and he'd, I'd been treating him now I do no internal therapy for him and he doesn't even need to do his home therapeutic wand did you ever use a therapeutic wand
2: yes not to any great success mm. yeah okay it's yeah, I could never really get it to work. It's used around the world for sure. but um. mm,
1: I'd like to just make mention of that as well because it is a home therapy option, particularly for patients in regional areas, so they can do a little bit of self internal massage. And you can get that from pelvicfloorexercise.com.au um, through Fiona Rogers. There's women's ones and men's ones. And there's another brand called Pelvy Wand, um, which is really quite uh, similar. They come in. Glass or plastic, the glass ones you can actually heat up so there's a bit of warmth there so that can help with desensitisation. So There's so many things out there. Um, Exercise for me is critical. So we usually do piriformis stretches, gluteal stretches, lots of breathing down training of the pelvic floor, a whole lot of um, therapeutic self-home techniques like using balls to massage out the uh, the piriformis. We've got ITB releases with things like foam rollers... I encourage people to spend about 15 minutes um, once a day or five to seven minutes morning and night to help mm. them sort of um, get going or finishing up for the day. Do you have a home daily regime at the moment,
2: Peter? Um, yeah. So effectively uh, morning and night go through stretches, so adductor stretches, hamstring stretches. Um, they're probably on that website. They're pretty much all the stretches that, that I yep. do. Um, and then do that same thing at night time. That's probably the main routine um, that I use. If I, in, in better days, I would be swimming every day as well. But I haven't really been able to do that um, as of late.
1: You also lost about 10 kilos um, in, in the recent yeah, 12 months. Did um, that make much of a difference for you?
2: I, I think so. Everything was be- everything got better. I don't know what it was. I, I mean, I was exercising more. I think that was probably the critical part. Mm. But, um, yeah, lost that weight just intermittent fasting. So that 16-8 diet, um, very effective way.
1: Okay. And I just wanted to really bring a final topic because we haven't touched on this yet, but there's a really different way of approaching pain these days and mm-hmm. that's something called pain science. Mm-hmm. Explain pain by Lorimer Mosley mm. um, and the Buckley team so, do you mind giving us your yeah. version of the way that is as a patient?
2: Yeah, I you? mean, I d- I, guess it, I guess it gave me a bit of an idea of um of what might be what, what might be happening. So, the very brief summary of my understanding of it um, was that the idea is that when you have uh, pain, um, your body's not generating pain signals, and um, and the evidence for that was, you know, uh, in the book they mentioned that a soldier gets shot. Um, and because they're in the heat of the battle, they have no idea they've been shot. You know, Mm. they should be screaming in pain, but you have no idea. And I've had similar experiences when I've done something and I have no idea Mm. of the pain. So it's evidence that your, your body is not, like your external nerves are not giving, sending your brain a pain signal. Rather, it's sending a danger signal. Right. That there's some threat, there's some danger. And if the danger, if another danger signal is more important... Um, such as being in the middle of a war,
0: mm. that will override you know, it.
2: overrides it, so it kind of gives an idea of you know if you can limit uh, cognitively, if you can uh, realize that this is not a danger. You know, the pain that in your pelvis is not a cancer. It's not. A, it's not something that's got a you know that is something very serious. You know, that that that's very dangerous. It's just it's just something. It can help lessen the pain. So it's the
1: way the brain picks up the pain, and when it's been persistent there for longer than three months, your body thinks that's normal. Mm. And so, when you go and take all these medications, things and they're not working in the short term, that confuses doctors
0: too. Mm. I have found. Mm. So, have you tried other things then, like hypnotherapy? Tried that. Acupuncture. Uh, tried that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not.
2: Not. Nope, not didn't so, no, didn't work. Um, maybe I'm, I'm not just not I'm not just the right person for treatment therapy because it all dependent on the person. Yeah. Acupuncture, no, it didn't work really.
1: There is a new treatment coming out. It's called transcranial neuromodulation. No, transcranial magnetic stimulation. Yes. Any evidence of that in in pain generally?
2: Absolutely, there's there's evidence for that. So that's the idea of um, using. Uh, current through a coil to generate a, a focal, a localized magnetic field, and then you target certain parts of the brain. Wow. Parts of the brain say for depression, um, it targets certain parts of the brain, um, and for different applications. So, for pain, it'll be another part of the brain, can also use, be externally, uh, uh or peripherally on certain areas of, of, of your body. And that has certainly got evidence to support it. So, Have that's you tried that, for, that for your pelvic pain? I've not pain? tried it for for myself, it's it's, qu- um, I've not tried it for myself, but something I'm certainly looking into, Great. um, and um. There is a pelvic pain protocol, I believe, um, that's being uh, worked on in the US. Wow. This, this stuff is very common in the United States. We're always a bit But behind. not in so much in Australia. Not yep. in Australia uh, and hopefully that will change. Um, and in, con- in conjunction with other therapies, you mentioned that focal uh, ultrasound yep. t- technology, um, maybe a, a protocol could certainly be generated. And, and
1: depression. I know that um, the... TNS is really good for depression. And we have a lot of depression. Sorry, this mm. is one mm. more topic. Mm. And um, that linking, and I'm just thinking from what you talked about with your soldier and war reference PTSD, mm. that with the quiche, that was really a PTSD
2: response. Uh, yeah, so, so similar elements. Mm. Um, and uh, and yeah, and uh, there's not that many treatments out there for PTSD. There's a yeah. limited number of treatments and having another modality is, is very helpful. Yeah. Um, so yeah depression, OCD, PTSD and depression's Medicare are rebatable now. So that mm, hopefully opens the door for keep saying people. TMS.
1: I mean t- TNS. TMS it is. It's it is TMS. So T for Tom, M for Mary, S for Sam, yeah. TMS. Uh, we have a really wonderful five-minute little video called Explain Pain and that I actually send to all my patients because it's got a black and white little drawing, a bit of a squiggle, mm, squiggling over it. That's probably that the th- the most important Thing that we can share from this podcast, yep. actually, because it puts people into perspective. We do know that about nine percent of the population experiences this disorder, pelvic pain syndrome, or chronic pelvic pain, and it comes under so many umbrellas like interstitial cystitis, prostatalgia fugax, mm. erectile dysfunction, hard flaccid syndrome, on and on, pudendal neuralgia, pudendal entrapment. It's it's an uh, umbrella term really. Mm. 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 So, in wrapping up, is there anything that you would like to suggest, Pierre? If someone's having these symptoms and concerned, where do they start?
2: I would say number one, um, well, aside from talking to your GP, just in case it's something else, is see uh, um, a pelvic physiotherapist like Joe. Um, there are probably there are others out there, I'm yeah, sure. Yep. Um, but somebody who's experienced it, in pelvic floor, that's definitely a starting point, and the book get a good book, you know. So Explain Pain, um, or Pelvic Pain by Stephanie Prendergast, I think is a really good primer. Uh, Hill Pelvic Pain um, uh, by Amy Stein, another really good primer um, and that would be a really good starting point. In fact, if it was, if I, yeah, again, if I could only pick one book, I'd, I'd say Stephanie Prendergast's book. Great. Fantastic, not that big and it really, you know, um, I think it summarises these points well.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing your story no, no with problem. us today.
1: Yeah, it's a really important topic. We've actually been wanting to talk about this for almost a year now. We've had one or two guys who haven't been able to um, make it, mostly because of COVID and different things going on. So, Pierre, this will be a landmark podcast. So, can't thank you enough. Hi, this is Dr. Joe. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We're getting so many emails, so many questions and so much feedback and Melissa and I are absolutely thrilled about this. What we'd really love you to do though is to share our podcast with anyone you think might benefit, including any man in your life. Simply download using your favourite podcast app or subscribe to thepenisproject.org. You'll get a weekly email and new releases and this helps our podcast get more people and if you write a review and subscribe as well, well, we'll get known more widely across the globe. Meanwhile, let's keep the conversation going. Just a mystery to me, I've got a boy of my own now, it fills me with pride, to see him growing so fast into a
2: man, his victories become mine.